Hey, this is Kate. Welcome to Two Pastors Take a Walk and Make a Podcast. This is Yolando, and as always, we are talking about what is astonishing us, what we're thinking about, and what we are preaching. But first, <laughs> but first, sitting here in my office because we're in the middle of Freedom School at the Grove, which means our routine has changed, and my very good friend Yolando has brought me a cup of coffee because he is good to me, and Ooh. yet still, <laughs> we're going to begin by saying, Yolando, you and I have a bet uh, about be your trouble. current preaching project, and I believe that you started preaching through the book of Philippians two Sundays ago, yes. and on Sunday number one, and the bet is that you are going to finish the entire book of Philippians by the end of September. That Correct. was your expectation Correct. of yourself. And my um, expectation is that you might finish it by Advent. But you might be preaching all the way through Philippians. You might have to take a break to say happy birthday to Jesus and then finish up oh, in the new year. That's, that's so wrong. That's the bet. And we have not yet come on terms to an agreement on terms of like what happens if you lose and I win. I mean, we can figure out terms for what would happen if you won and I lost. But I really feel like that would be an exercise in futility because week one in the book of Philippians, how many verses did you preach Sunday number one? Seven. Seven. And Sunday number two, how many verses did you preach? Yeah, I'm messing four. Four! four. I knew it! I knew it! I knew it! Oh, so you are two weeks into what you hoped would be a 12-week sermon I series, know. and you've preached 11 verses. I know, and I was thinking, okay, surely... Three sermons each chapter, uh -huh. and so far, it looks like it may be four, maybe five yep. sermons per chapter. I'm sure you'll pick up speed at the end. I'm I, sure you I'm will. I'm have to. I'm sure you oh will. Oh, my. Excellent. So anyway, um, if you are enjoying <laughs> living out this bet as much as I am, if any one of our so tens wrong. of listeners would like so to wrong. chime in with what they think the terms of this bet should be, we are we are so <sighs> open to feedback. Um, so, and I am not astonished. I'm scared. I, you should be. I am not astonished that you only preached four verses last <laughs> Sunday because that is exactly what I expected. So, what um, is astonishing you? So, what is astonishing me is um, notice how I I you got pivoted. Off the, no, yes, I've yes, said what I have to say. Yes. I mean, friend. I got a lot more weeks of this. <laughs> I don't need to get it all out this oh, week. My it's goodness. I yeah. Um, so here's what's astonishing me this week. I had the most beautiful, beautiful gift yesterday um, that some um, members of my church, some women in my church, came mm. to me on Sunday and said, "We are showing up um, on Monday morning, and we are praying for you." Wow. Um, Good. And I. I mean, okay, like I, <laughs> so I'm not going to turn that down, but I, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't feel like I was, you know, walking around and like, anyway, I don't know, but, but these women are, are incredibly, um, just mature believers. And, um, it is, we have talked about this before. It's a strange thing, um, to pastor a church full of people who are more mature than you are in mm. Christ. Mm. Um, and I just, I know that. And I don't really like, there are a lot of people I'm like, mm, I'm your pastor. Like that seems, <laughs> that seems wrong, but okay. <laughs> um, so anyway, these three women all, all definitely in that camp. And, um, 
and so they they came and and they were just saying you know we we have um i mean the best church in the world sorry derida and and i love this community that we have and one of the gifts of being community from people just drawn from all different places is that um you know our church we we do some programmatic ministry like room in the end but we also just i mean have folks in our congregation who are mm. um you know a homeless or about to be homeless or you know just people who have real acute crises that we can't like i can't meet those needs um and and it's really tricky to figure out how to love someone when they're going through something that you don't have the capacity to meet their needs. And so you like, it's just hard. And that's yeah. why a lot of churches are economically segregated, right? Mm. Because how do you share life with someone who doesn't have a home when you do have a home, right? Like that, that's just, it's, you know, it's just more comfortable to segregate yourself economically. But of course that's not the gospel message and that's not the witness of the early church and sometimes discomfort is what happens when you're growing Mm. you know so anyway whatever we we're so privileged to have folks who are who i mean everyone has struggles and everyone has pain but some people um just it it's more it's more cute it's more Mm -hmm. on the Mm -hmm. surface and 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 it's hard when you're it's hard to realize on the one hand you don't want to be like the book of james being like saying to someone who's hungry or cold like go and be warm and well fed like that's a jerk move but on the uh, and on the other hand you realize i what i'm what i can offer you is to be a beloved and honored member of this christian community Mm. and i what i have to offer you is to be your pastor and what i what we have to offer one another is to be brothers and sisters in christ and we can't you know, and God, God is the only savior that's here and God, you know, and so anyway, it's it's just a challenge. And sometimes as, as a pastor, it's really hard and leaders in the church in general, um, and just people who love people in the church in general to figure out, like, I don't know how to love someone and not, not fix it, not fix it. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just hard. Um, and they were just saying, you know, we're in a season where there are a lot of folks who really are dealing with some really, really hard things. And, they they were just saying like it's on our heart that you um are just really feeling very burdened which is true i mean i i feel um you want you just want to be faithful to people Mm -hmm. and you and you Mm -hmm. want and expect god to show up in people's lives and you want to do i don't know it just is anyway all that to say they said you know we want to come and pray over you because you are I mean, Jesus is the head of this church, but you're the spiritual leader of this church, and we want to, you know, uh, and and it was just interesting to sit in this office, and they're praying for me, and I'm just sitting there, and I am having this incredible experience that I just feel like I am getting a spiritual massage, right? Wow. Like I, wow. I didn't yeah. even really realize how um, how I was feeling, you know, because you're just moving and like getting stuff done. Like literally, we are moving pews in the church mm-hmm. on Saturday. You're just and like I. Like, you know, everything is exactly as I hoped and dreamed it would be. Like, leading this community is my dream come true. And I, you know, I have I have no complaints. And also, it just, sometimes it's so easy to drift out of walking in your trust of God and into walking in 
you know, why am I not? I should, I, mm. why, you know, and mm-hmm. anyway, what was astonishing for me was just how, how beautifully cared for I was in that moment by just how real the church was, like church being church and the mutuality in that, and that we all have roles and none of us plays the role of Jesus and how, you know, as pastors, we need to be really intentional that we, we come into this community to serve and not to be served. And Mm -hmm. yet Mm -hmm. we also show up as actual humans and and with our friends, right? Like to me, the model of church is the model of friendship Mm because if Jesus didn't feel the need for hierarchy, then I don't know who I'm kidding. If I think I do like, and Mm -hmm. anyway, and I just, it was this amazing thing and it, and, and I mean, it, it, changed me and fed me and nourished me and healed me and I am so grateful and I and I think you know sitting in that moment and realizing so much of the places where I kind of self-evaluate how the church is doing or how I'm doing as a pastor and it's based on these metrics and optics that matter Mm -hmm. like how are we Mm -hmm. serving and how are we connecting with people and how are people plugging in and how many new members we have and how much attention we're getting in these different forums and how Mm -hmm. other people are getting Mm -hmm. invited to do this or that and you're just constantly and then you come back to this moment where it's just you know people disciples of jesus praying for one another and realizing like this is a spiritual community and my strength has to be in the Lord and my joy has to be in the Lord and my peace has to be in the Lord Mm -hmm. and all of that other stuff is okay in its place. But the challenge is, you know, when we start striving Mm -hmm. for those metrics Mm -hmm. or, you know, as a sign of our worthiness or as a sign of the presence of God, anyway, just holding things right. So I just was really grateful to be so well pastored by my church in that moment and astonished by just the generosity of God you know, looking down through these women and reminding me that, you know, the first and only thing that I am truly is um, beloved yeah, of yeah. God. And that's not at stake. And that's, you know, my my identity that I need to move from and everything else is on the table. Um, mm. And that's what they were saying to me was like, you know, you're doing a good job mm-hmm. running the church. That's fine. But the one woman, Joe, was like, um, I need you this week to leave this building and take your Bible. Do not take a commentary. Do not take a devotional. Take your actual Bible and just sit down and spend the day remembering that you're a child of God. And, and mm, we need you good. to do that so that you can be in this role. And, yeah. we're, you know, anyway, it was, it was wow. astonishing in the best way. And I am just wow. really humbled and honored and grateful. Wow, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm struck by, you know, as we... As we go through this series on in uh, Philippians, mm-hmm. um, how much Paul uses the language of partnership. Mm-hmm. The Philippians are his partners. Mm-hmm. And I'm noticing that many churches are moving away from the language of membership because... Um, it, it, can, it can be very commercial. It's a country you know? club language, yeah, too. Yeah, right. I pay my money so I get religious goods and services mm-hmm. from the church, from its leadership. Um, and instead, churches are going to the language of partnership. And there's just so much more um, mutuality in that. And Well, yeah. And, you know, and I mean, this is too long. Maybe this can be what I'm thinking about, too. But the other thing that was really helpful is they really affirmed for me something I had been wrestling with, which is sometimes as a pastor, Mm -hmm. I can just and I know you do this, too, Mm -hmm. and we do it for the right reasons. 
Like we just see that something needs to be done or it would be good to have it done. And so we just like, we'll just do it. Right. Mm, Or like, mm. we'll go to people and do, you know, just there's ways that we can manipulate our congregations to do good things for, to do objectively good things for Jesus. But sometimes that is not faithful Mm. because sometimes what we need to do is recognize we're not here to do a thing. We're here to be a people. And when we have partnered and created this community, then lots of beautiful fruit will grow out of that. Mm -hmm. But, but sometimes we can just like artificially manufacture fruit, but the community isn't really, you know, isn't really there. And sometimes, you know, we're talking about the fact that we're not going to do a summer vacation Bible school this summer because we did a spring one because we're doing freedom school. And frankly, because there's just, there are folks in the congregation who like the ministry, who believe in the ministry, but not enough folks who can actually are, who are not enough folks who are called Mm -hmm. to lead it and create it. And I'm realizing as the pastor, I got to stop pushing things through to make our church look like a certain thing to the outside world and just trust what the deep work that the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. is doing in this place to say, people, we together need to become Mm -hmm. a spiritual community and the one that God wants and one that's fueled by the Spirit. And when things happen, it's not because, you know, I'm out shaking the bushes and kind of like, Jesus-y manipulating people to say, don't you want to do this with me? But really, mm-hmm. like, invitation is great. Encouragement is great. But sometimes you just have to say, right now, we're not going to do this. And let that ground be fallow and let yeah. that space happen and trust trust, trust what God is doing. And that sometimes, you know, the work of what happens in an office that no one sees is is the deep work of God that we should be aiming for all the time mm-hmm. to help people become not produce Mm. anyway that is what i'm astonished about and what i'm thinking about and trying to be uh, trying to be the kind of pastor who is less focused on what it looks like and more focused on what it is and sometimes to help people to help our community become Mm -hmm. what it is called by god to be we need to let it look like it's not all together we need it to look like there's a hole we need it to look like oh we're not engaging let's Let's pay attention to that and figure out why. And if it's not faithful, then let's own that and wait until God raises up a generation of leaders who say, yes, we're, we're on board to do this and not, you know, I just don't want to exhaust people more than I already do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to say I'm not going to exhaust people, but anyway, whatever. I'm not going to comment on that. (laughs) I didn't bet you anything. So (laughs) anyway, so what are you astonished at? Well, I was in Atlanta last week celebrating the 4th of July with family. Mm -hmm. And um, there is a church in the city of Atlanta. Just one? Uh, Well, there's there's more than one, but there's a particular one that um, has my attention. It's called Vision Church. Mm -hmm. And they have hired a psychic slash medium to be a part of their ministerial staff. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. Uh, This person, her specialty is to speak uh, with or to the dead. Shut up. I I kid you not. And um, uh, when I first heard about it, I... (laughs) 
I said this can't this cannot be real. And uh, there there are several articles online that you can find about this church. And um, and I asked myself, well, what what does this mean? What does this say? You know, uh, and, and you know how much I like the charismatic and the supernatural, but. This is clearly outside outside the boundaries of Scripture and what Scripture allows. Well, I mean, there's the well, whole Witch of Endor thing, well, but it didn't yes. end too well for him. Yeah. Right. right. Um, and I'm asking myself, what else can I learn? What, what's the takeaway beyond this is, you know, a forbidden thing? And what I keep coming back to is um, a lack of trust in the deep work of the spirit, a lack mm-hmm. of trust in the text of scripture. We, mm-hmm. we want to find some new untried, whatever thing in the church to excite people, draw people, wow people, instead of trusting the deep work of the spirit in, um, the, the, the ordinary things the, the church gives us. And wanting it, right? Because yes. I think sometimes the reason that people don't sense the living presence of God in our worship and in our practices and in our beliefs is because we've pushed that out, right? So mm-hmm. we've turned communion away from being a communion, a supernatural right. union with God in that moment into a doctrinal, yes. you know, theological argument yes. about transubstantial. Transubstantiation. Transubstantiation. Thank you for flooding that as well. <laughs> yes. I mean, right? Or, or an argument about who's allowed to come to the yes. table and who isn't allowed to or, come to the table. Or about some simple, sentimental remembrance. Or we've oh. turned, you know, church membership into culture war yes. flank. So yes. it's not about yes. union with God mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. having a spiritual mm-hmm. experience. It's about mm-hmm. being on the right side of this country, mm-hmm. whether that's the conservative side or the progressive side. Mm-hmm. And th- and that's what it's about, just doing right and forcing other yeah. people to do yeah. right. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, people who are looking spiritual things, looking for spiritual things often don't go to their neighborhood church because we, that's not, we, that's not what we're offering. Yes. I, I'm reminded of um, uh, the story of John Wimber who founded, uh, I may have told the story in the podcast before, um, uh, John Wimber founded the, the, the vineyard churches that are no, still yeah. ra- around. And, um, you know, he was in the whole drug scene in the 60s, and then he and his wife got out of that and became Christians and said, well, what do Christians do? They go to church. And he said they started going to, you know, Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, Episcopalian churches. And he said every week, he said we would leave frustrated. So finally one Sunday, we went up to someone um, who looked official and said, well, when are you going to do the stuff? And they said, the stuff, what stuff? They said, you know, the the stuff in the Bible, when are we going to get to do that? And he said, uh, the the person looked at him and said, well, we we believe in it, (laughs) but we don't actually do that stuff in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And he said, I was so disappointed. Well, it's like what we were talking about earlier in communion is that we think that these things are like it was good when they happened in the past and it will be good when they happen in the future, but that's not on the table here and now. Like what we do is just remember the past and anticipate the future, but the present is, you know, God has left the scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, So that's what's astonishing me. Um, uh, That's really... It's it's weird. I... Well, it's, but it's worse than weird. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really sad. It is. I mean, that's just bad teaching, and it's and opening so people wrong. up to all much, 
all kinds of vulnerabilities yeah. and 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 oh that's just yeah. that's a really really sad thing like a psychic medium on your staff what <sighs> well here's what i'm thinking about excellent on on a on a lighter note um of course, we're working our way through Philippians, oh. uh, and so we're thinking a lot about joy, and mm-hmm. uh, our theme this year is 52 Weeks of Joy, and, you know, I am, I'm really the happiest I've been in ministry. My, my life is good. There are lots of challenges, but I'm the happiest I've been in a long, long time, right? I came across a, a study of Olympic athletes. Uh, as a matter of fact, this study, they did the study in 2010 after the last Winter Olympics. Not the last one, but the Winter say, the winter study. Olympics that year. Okay, That's perfect. what I'm trying to say. And they studied the medal winners, the gold, silver, bronze. Mm-hmm. And they were asking, who's the happiest? Who's the happiest, right? And their hypothesis was, of course, that the gold medal winner would Mm -hmm. be happiest. And their initial hypothesis was right, that the gold medal winners are really just through the roof excited because they've worked for this Mm -hmm. moment, right? And Mm -hmm. there they are on the stand. But they were surprised to see that the um, silver medal winners were often, like, unhappy um, sure. Yeah, because these are people who like lost by you know one one hundredth sure. of a second, and they're sitting sitting there or standing there on the stand thinking, if I had only done this or if I had right. only done that, and I should be the person standing right. there with the gold medal. And right. then when they studied the bronze medal winner, that that person was through the roof happy because they're thinking because they got a medal <laughs> as opposed to everyone underneath them. Right, thinking, right. Yeah. By one one hundredth of a second i am here instead of fourth place right and uh so that got me thinking about uh leading a small congregation and uh and and as a matter of fact psychologists have um a term what's it called um contrafactual thinking and contrafactual thinking is when you have this conversation in your head about events that have already passed Mm -hmm. and you're saying to yourself, it would have been different if I had only done this or Mm -hmm. that or Mm -hmm. this or that. And that may or may not be true, but what you do is you rob yourself of joy in the moment Mm -hmm. by thinking woulda, coulda, shoulda, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and we were talking about this last night in our elders meeting, you know, it's very easy for us in a smaller congregation that's struggling in terms of membership numbers, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda, missing mm-hmm. the joy of our life together mm-hmm. right, right now, now, this moment. Um, mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, we're, I think we're going to start using uh, uh, the, the phraseology, second place thinking at, mm-hmm. at our, our church. Like, you know, let's get out of the second place thinking. And we're asking ourselves, um, what what's the conversation that's going on in your head about your life mm-hmm. and about this ministry? Mm-hmm. Right. So. No, I think that really, I mean, I think that makes so, so much sense that in order to move somewhere new with God, you have to be able to accept the fact that you are where you are. Yeah. Like whatever, like whoever did you wrong, who, I mean, like whoever's mm-hmm. fault, I mean, whatever, whatever got you here, this is where you are mm-hmm. and it's not going to change. And so the only thing we can control is to say, 
what is the next faithful step for me to take? Mm -hmm. And will I take it or won't I take it? And that, I mean, that just makes a lot of sense. Like if you're, if you're the second place medalist, then that is where you are. And so the only question is, what will I, you know, what will, can I enjoy this moment while Mm -hmm. I have it? Will I start training for next time? But I, I mean, I think that so much of when we were at the, the place in the Grove where we're trying to decide about what's next and so much of the, the factor in our thinking was, well, like what will work or is it too mm-hmm. late or what's the outcome going to be? And let's make a decision based on probable outcomes. And I think, I mean, that's like, not what helpful. Is faithful? What is faithful is just to say where, however we got to where we are, mm-hmm. the only choice that anybody makes, regardless of where they are on how we organize ourselves on the spectrum all that we ever have the opportunity to do is take the next faithful step. So whether that's that you just, you know, have planted and are now leading a 7 billion person megachurch or you're helping a church through um, transformation that, ha- I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. We all are really at the same starting place of saying, I am where I am right now. Yep. What does it look like for me to be faithful here? Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. That's freedom. Mm-hmm. That's all any of us can ever ask And there's, there's for. joy in there's that. There's great joy in that. Oh, yeah. And realizing that, you know, and just remembering that just because somebody, the outside of somebody's ministry or somebody's church looks a certain way, you don't know what it is like on the inside of that. They mm-hmm. have just as much of an option to be in joy-filled communion with Jesus mm-hmm. or not. I mean, mm-hmm. and we they have the same responsibility that we have to say, what's the next faithful t- step for me to take now? And I either will take it or I won't take it, but I'm responsible for that choice. I don't get off the hook because my situation is so bad or so good right. in mm-hmm. my own mm-hmm. eyes. Mm-hmm. What's what's the next faithful step? That's That's the whole question. Yeah. So... But that second place thinking is, I mean, if you're just thinking, I should be there. I should be, th- yeah. I should be there. And if I had only done I'd be this there. Yeah. And if I had, if I were there, I wouldn't even have to take this step. I mean, mm-hmm. whatever. That's mm-hmm. just, yeah. th- that's super yeah. unhelpful. Yeah. And it, and again, a reminder for me and us in our ministry that it just robs you of joy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because there is joy, no matter the challenges of the moment. Which, again, going back to Philippians, Paul is sitting right, in, in jail. In jail. <laughs> he, as a matter of fact, he was arrested two years prior. He's still waiting right. his trial, right? So lots right. of unfair things going on with him. And yet, throughout the letter, he keeps choosing joy. Which I think is helpful. Like, we don't know because popular Christian culture emphasizes so much the connection to if you believe in Jesus right, you will be successful in the eyes mm-hmm. of the world, right? Mm-hmm. So if the world doesn't think you're successful, if the world is not attracted to you, if you don't have something that the whole world is craving, that's evidence that you're not right with Jesus, right? But that's just because we don't know our own story. Our right. own story is people who were walking in full union and faithfulness with God often looked like the biggest losers, left behinders in the bunch. Paul, exhibit A, oh, I don't know, Jesus. (laughs) I mean, not a successful superhero, right? Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm, an incredibly mm -hmm. faithful person whose faithfulness bore tremendous fruit, Mm -hmm. not in the short term, but in the eternal realm. And that's what we're yeah. supposed to be going for. Sure. Yeah. So that's very good. Second place thinking. That's good. That's good. I'm going to steal that. Uh, what are you preaching? 
Hmm, let's see. <laughs> let's let's do a play a fun Hope, game. Hopefully. Why don't you predict for us all? Hopefully more than four verses of Philippians. What is your uh, planned pericope for this Sunday? 12 through 26, maybe. You 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 would like to finish <laughs> chapter one? Maybe. May, okay. Probably, you know, in all honesty, no. I don't, yeah. yeah come on, we're not going to finish chapter one. Um, but in, in, in the next part of the text, Paul is, of course, he's still in prison. And he, he says, because I am in these chains, the whole palace guard mm-hmm. have heard about mm-hmm. why I am in these mm-hmm. chains because of, of, of my faithfulness to Jesus. And, uh, one of the things I'm doing is thinking about, and, and Paul would have been like physically chained to a Roman guard 24 seven. They rotate in and out and, uh, just kind of imagining, you know, some guard saying to Paul, so I see you're in chains for disobeying our Lord, referring mm-hmm. to Caesar, and, mm-hmm. and Paul, you know, coming back at him saying, no, I'm in chains for o- obeying the Lord and, mm-hmm. and the conversations um, that he would have with those guards. And so again, we're just going to point to the joy of, of of the Lord in whatever situation you're in and seeing it as an opportunity to share the well, And I think that's just such an important thing to point out is that sometimes faithfulness looks like failure. Because mm-hmm. I, I was reading, I am reading um, Searching for Sunday by Rachel Held Evans, and she, as part of the things she's reflecting on, a time where she was part of this church plant, which sounds amazing. It was called The Mission, and they really, they 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 did the things in the mm-hmm. Bible, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what, yeah. and, and they were incredibly faithful. And after a couple of years, it closed, like mm-hmm. it failed, failed in mm-hmm. the, in the sense that it did not grow into a successful self funding institutional mm-hmm. church. And it was really interesting to see her think through, like, how do we understand being faithful, but it, you know, the end result looks like a failure and to be able to, they talk about having a circle at the end where they're giving thanks Mm -hmm. and rejoicing for all the good things that happened because they had this time together as a community, regardless of how Mm. long it lasted. And it's just, I so appreciate somebody who had that kind of platform lifting up a part of her story that she very much might've been tempted to bury or be embarrassed by, or, you know, Mm. to, to perpetuate that mystique, that myth, that hmm. if you're right with Jesus, everything goes up and to the right. Mm-hmm. And and being able to say, like, no, sometimes yeah. Yeah. you take a big, bold step for Jesus and you put your whole self out there and... It doesn't turn out the way you planned. Right. And it doesn't, and it doesn't look respectable in the eyes of the world. Yeah. Like, that, I think, is so much of what we want is not like we want a certain outcome, but more than anything... We just don't want to be embarrassed. And we talked about, like, for both of our congregations, a huge thing about thing holding people back from trying to engage their neighborhood is that they just don't want to be rejected. Mm -hmm. So if Mm -hmm. I put my whole self out there, Mm -hmm. my whole community out there, if I go and invite people in and people come in and look around and go, "Mm, Mm. thanks, but no thanks, that's a devastating rejection Mm -hmm. and a failure. And we don't want to risk that. And so we'd rather just not try. Yeah, Paul, uh, in the text, I think he actually says, I know I will not be ashamed, mm-hmm. right? I just stay faithful to Jesus. I will not be ashamed. No matter how this turns out, he says in the text, whether I live 
or whether I die. If I live, great, I get to keep serving. If I die, I go be with the Lord. Either way, I win. And I think what's helpful for us to realize is if he's saying, I will not be ashamed, that's because part of his battle is with shame. Mm. I mean, Paul mm. obviously, you know, left this life as Saul where he, he was the establishment. Right. He was the one throwing mm -hmm. people in prison. Mm -hmm. He was the one who mm -hmm. was feared. And now all of a sudden he's on the other side. And so I am sure, like many of us, we have to be able to say, I am making this choice. This choice isn't making me. I'm showing up in my life, living out my values, and the world does not have to understand what it is my job to mm. proclaim. And I'm not looking for affirmation from a system that does not share my values. Yeah. And so when that system doesn't value me, I'm not offended. I'm not angry. I'm not ashamed of that. We're operating in two different systems. Mm -hmm. And yeah, mm -hmm. I think I have a, um, a good friend who is really called in to do a lot of ministry pouring into young people and, and what they love about his heart. And I so identify with it because as pastors, we do this as times too, is that if a young person, you know, crosses into the church community and, and one of the things he feels really compelled to do is to just build that relationship, which means a lot of times he's like texting someone and saying like, how was your game? Or texting someone and saying, I hope, you know, I see you at a youth group or, you know, and kids don't always... I mean, often do not respond oh, and wow. you're, you know, wow. and, and you have to be willing to say, I mean that you feel stupid when you're mm. like, Hey, but the reality is you're saying, I'm not going to be ashamed of trying to connect with a young person and trying to make a young person know that they're valued and that they're welcomed. And That's that good. I see, you know, I refuse to be ashamed of that. Mm. Even if the person on the receiving end doesn't understand it, mm -hmm. because of course they won't understand it mm -hmm. because we live in a world that says, you're connected to who you're connected to and nobody else wants to know you and you haven't earned a friendship. And mm -hmm, I mean, we just have mm -hmm. a different culture that's not gonna make sense, yeah, but yeah. we're not going to be ashamed of living in the culture of the gospel, even mm. when it's not. Anyway, that's good. So what are you track. preaching? Um, so this Sunday is freedom school Sunday at the Grove, which is <laughs> when speaking of, I will not be ashamed, which is when we invite <laughs> every scholar and their family to come and worship with us. And when we have no idea how many of them will actually come? And so it's possible that like none of them will come and it's possible that two of them will come and that is scary, but you got to invite people. Sure. So it is what it is. Um, but they're going to um, share some stuff in worship that they do, hopefully, maybe. <laughs> and um, But so I want the sermon to connect with the experience that we have hosting Freedom School and the experience that families have as a part of Freedom School. And so I'm going to talk about healing and I'm going to talk, um, use the story from Mark about Jesus healing the blind man and spitting in his eyes. Mm -hmm. And then he gets sight, but not clarity. And so then Jesus, you know, gives him that the second healing touch. And, and I, I just want to talk about being a community. I can't use the language of second touch, but being a community, mm -hmm you know, where we, we don't just go like, oh, you didn't get it, whatever, mm -hmm, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. you're not, we're going to move on to, you know, to say, yeah. no, God is doing something in you and we're willing to continue on in relationship with you until you don't just have a piece, but that you have the whole, yeah. the wholeness of, um, of who you are in Christ. And, um, so that, so something, something like that, something like that, something like well, that. Well, it's only Tuesday. It's so. only Tuesday, but, but. You know the the boulder picks up speed after Tuesday, <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's Tuesday, and then it's Sunday morning. That's how it happens. So that's good. Well, um, thank you all so much for listening. We 
may or may not. We will not have a podcast next week because Yolando is going away to do. I'm not just going to talk to myself. And we may or may not have a podcast the following week because he may or may not come back. So maybe a one week break, maybe a two week break. Um, but if you cannot get enough of us between then and now, we would love it if you wanted to check out our congregations, um, Derida Prez. You can Google it and find their Google page, their web page. And um, our The Grove is uh, thegrovecharlotte.org. And we both have uh, sermon podcasts. Um, you can find Yolanda's sermon podcast on the Membean Podbean. Podbean. Sorry, Membean. That's a that's a reading website the girls have in CMS. Sorry, Podbean website. Derida Presbyterian Church podcast, and you can find the Grove sermons at thegrovecharlotte.org. No, the Grove Charlotte podcast. The Grove podcast is what it's called. Are you sure? Excellent. Clearly not. <laughs> Clearly not. But if you seek, you will find, and we will see you soon. 